0: If you do the right things on a regular basis, you will get towards your goal.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Sprout Sweater Podcast. And again, we have a big sweat episode. And this week, I am excited to have a friend and triathlon coach simon ward hi simon how are you doing hi dave yeah thank you for inviting me i'm uh, i'm good thank you great i can't wait to get into the conversation and i know my very short introduction of triath- triathlon coach is totally under underselling your background your experience so do you want to tell the audience a little bit more about yourself and and what you're doing now etc and then we'll dive in because i've got loads of questions for you
0: yeah <laughs> okay well I started working for myself back in 1993 and that was as a personal trainer but I was already doing triathlon then. Um, In 95 I did my first Ironman triathlon and I wrote an article for a a magazine called UltraFit on the back of that and then on on, as a result of that um, another magazine called 220 Triathlon asked me to write for them and in those days there was no internet really for, for most of us so I had a little classified ad in the back of the magazine and there was a link uh, at the end of my article connecting to that um, advert. And then if people were interested in coaching, they'd send me a letter asking for a questionnaire. And then obviously we'd go through the whole sort of uh, process that you and I grew up with of sending mail backwards and forwards over a, a few weeks until um, until we got to where we wanted to be. So my coaching business grew alongside my personal training uh, um, business In 2000, I started working with another coach called Jack Maitland, and we developed our business. But British Triathlon also asked us to take on the role of talent ID coaches for the north of England. So we had to try and find young men and women who might be potential Olympic champions. And we were lucky enough to have a couple of Brownleys living in our area. So um, most people have probably heard of them or know the story there. So I wouldn't wouldn't say I was responsible for their fame, but um, I played a part in it, a small part. Uh, so, oh, sorry, not for their fame, for their progress. But I played, I played a small part, and it was nice to be there at the beginning and see them through. So uh, my my coaching business developed. I was a tut- became a tutor for British Triathlon, so I've been teaching and mentoring triathlon coaches for the last fifteen years, and um, uh, stopped doing the personal training in in about 2015. Sold that side of my business, carried on with the triathlon coaching, and now we are developing what we call the high-performance human, which is more about life coaching for triathletes, if you like, uh, because that's what I spend most of my time doing. Uh, writing a program is easy, um, you know, suggesting to them how much running and swimming and cycling they should be doing, but what you find is that there are life events that get in the way, so children, work, illness, travel, etc cetera, etc cetera, and helping helping people to manage all that stuff as well as getting sleep and eating right and everything else is and managing stress which obviously is your um is your particular domain uh, that those are the things that dictate whether somebody's actually going to have a good race or not it's not it's their their ability to do the training is governed by their management of their life really so um, if you can manage a the life then the other stuff is a lot easier
1: yes yeah. Yeah, I totally get that, and I know a lot of our conversations over the years have um, have factored around that. You know, I guess there's common ground there because I always, I've always had a view that nobody wants to manage stress. We have to, <laughs> and it, and for me, I'm not. Although I'm fascinated by the physiology of stress, that's not what drives me. It's just that we have to deal with stress in order because mm. it gets in the way. So for me, it's how can we put stress in its place in order to you know whatever that is whatever the goals or the 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 place in life we want to to occupy and move towards um so that's where i think a lot of our conversations have featured around that haven't they yeah well uh, and let's not pretend that
0: stress is all bad you know you need good stress we need stress you know when i was at school i used and college i used to leave it until the last minute to get my assignments done because the stress of having to have it done by a certain deadline would motivate me and i know there's a lot of people like that um you know, the stress of having to um, perform on a particular day as an athlete or in, in the business setting drives us forward. So we need good stress, but um, too much of that stress, you know, we, we I talk a lot about nervous systems and there's basically two types of nervous system. There's a sympathetic, which is a fight or flight, which is when we were a... You know, a hunter-gatherer and the saber-toothed tiger was either chasing us, or we were chasing something else to get food. Your you know, adrenaline goes, so you can deal with the situation. But then, as soon as the the caveman had brought his cat, you know, his his, uh, his prey back um, to the cave, then he would rest and digest, and he would relax. And that's and that's the parasympathetic side. And unfortunately, modern life, um, always being connected to phones and computers and everything else, means we never actually have time to relax and um, and rest these days do we so if you if you have too much stress and it's on for too long you, you like that tv character you know stressed eric who had the big vein beating along the, out the side of his neck and just you never relax and so that affects sleep and when steep sleep starts to get affected then it has a, a huge impact on just about everything else we do in a
1: negative way yeah yeah and I'll t- I want to pick up on sleep in due course as we go but there was a model that I remember in our conversations you used to talk about which was it was a it was simple but very striking it was the wear and repair now I'm not sure where that originated from but I love that kind of simplicity of the idea that it, you're either in a state of wear or repair I mean you you would explain it a lot better than me um, so uh, yeah probably probably just
0: like I've just explained really where is the rest is the fight or flight you know you're constantly moving you're on the go and repair is you have to get everything needs time to repair doesn't it you know the brain needs sleep to help it repair and um, get ready for the next day Um, and the body needs time to repair after we've subjected it to um, excessive stress which is good for adaptation we need we need to subject the body to stress in order to get fitter and stronger but but there's a limited amount we need and we have to back off from that every now and again for it to grow stronger, in order for us to keep doing that. Yeah. Uh, so there's a balance, and that's where the high performance human thing comes in. It's 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 about trying to find the balance.
1: Yeah, and and you you know, in terms of it, the, the physical uh, comparison of, of stress and strain to to grow is the same for psychologically and emotionally. We need some challenge. We need some strain and adversity mm-hmm. to an extent in our life. It's how how much yeah. isn't it and for how long yeah. and also how we the coping mechanisms and tools we have in the kit for that as well so mm. it, it certainly applies to the psychological aspect of our life as well so the the high performance human do you dive in a little bit more to that because you, you kind of said that often it's about focusing on the other things rather than the actual training itself yeah well so this i
0: suppose there's, there's been lots of lessons throughout all of the work experiences that I mentioned a few moments ago when I was a personal trainer uh, a lot of the ladies that used to come to see me particularly but but probably half of the men as well wanted to lose weight and I think what we've learned over the years is losing weight isn't just a question of cutting out calories and exercise more that that works for some people but some people are genetically wired just to carry a bit more weight and there's more evidence coming out about that now and there are some people who just never seem to gain weight anyway, but, but weight isn't necessarily an indicator of health. When I looked into, uh, into in more detail, why some of these people were struggling, um, with their weight, they would say, well, I binge eat. And so we'd try to identify patterns of the binge eating. And it was like when they were tired and then the tiredness came from when their husbands were away with business and they were on on their own at home looking after the children trying to run the house and also maybe a little apprehensive about being in the house on their own so they didn't sleep well. So then not sleeping well influenced poor choices for eating and overeating and eating at the wrong times. So so that's one thing. Um, I then identified with a lot of triathlon clients that they were tired all the time when they were training or they were stressed because they were they were trying to, you know, they're running a company, getting up at five o'clock to get the train to London to go for a meeting to come back and then trying to get a training session in at nine o'clock at night, then having dinner, then not being able to go to sleep. So, you know, ending up with five hours in bed every night and just not making the progress they wanted, hmm. getting injured, um, Entering for races which took up all of their time and losing focus on other things in their life like relationships with their partner or with their children, um, with their friends. um, Immune systems that were compromised by poor sleep, poor nutrition or too much training. So all of these lifestyle factors, then it influenced the results and the ambitions that they had, which were perhaps perhaps over-ambitious. So if you're not changing all of that foundational stuff if you're not improving sleep if you're not improving nutrition if you're not improving stress management time management no amount of exercise that you throw at a project is going to lead to the result you want Mm. so i started going backwards and thinking well what about if i could encourage them to get more sleep what about if i could or if they can't get more time in bed what about if we could help them to get better quality sleep? So trying to create pre and post sleep routines, trying to create a better sleeping environment, and then maybe looking at why they didn't get enough sleep. And often it's because you're just sitting there idly watching Netflix or messing around on your phone before you go to bed. So some, some habits which are easily corrected. And then once magically, once you correct sleep, everything else seems a lot rosier. People start saying, well, I can concentrate more and I feel more motivated. and Actually, I make better choices with my food. So you've, you've switched one thing and now all of the other things st- start to happen. And, and then, of course, training becomes more consistent because they, they miss less of it. And magically, results start to happen. But I've done nothing to change the training. So I started writing about this, doing podcasts about it, and then I've been, you know, very pleasantly surprised about the number of people who get in touch with me saying, "Oh, I really like this concept. I really like the idea that you focus on lifestyle." It, it seems like a no-brainer to me, but apparently, not everybody does.
1: Mm. Yeah, and and I guess a shout out for your podcast as well. What's it, what's it called again? We'll put the links in the show notes, and there's a couple of episodes I, I wanted to kind of flag up as well for, for you.
0: Yeah, well, it, it was originally the Triathlon Coach Channel because that's where I started out, and then it, it we've we've just trademark the name high performance human actually so we were waiting until that was done before we started using it publicly so we're just changing all the branding on it now so it it does show up as the high performance human podcast but if you go onto itunes and search for my name
1: um you more than likely find it Brilliant. Yeah, great. So we will put some details in the show notes. And and, and this is where we, we connect a lot on it because, as I say, I, I guess coming at it from the perspective of a lot of the clients that I work with and myself, you know, um, I suppose I could use myself as that case study. Somebody who has never, was never an athlete, you know, never grew up that way, but always had a dabble. I was consistently inconsistent, I would say, in, <laughs> in exercise. You know that I cycled Lanzane, John Groats, and I was not a cyclist. I mean, you know... Those kinds of things, you, you do these daft things um sporadically. But what I've found is that as, a, as I've got older, my body and mind are less forgiving about that inconsistency. Mm-hmm. And it's only really in the last couple of years that I've found that the consistency is the key. Mm-hmm. But I've really had to focus in on how do I make this sustainable? And I think this is one of the big challenges for many of the people that I work with and speak to is that they – they may or may not have had a background in fitness. They may have dabbled. They may have had some consistent fitness, but life, as you said, gets in the way—family, uh, work, career—and it gets put on hold. And then returning to it, you know, whether in your mid-thirties or you know, late forties or you know, turning fifty, it's we—it's we, kind of we've still got that younger person's mindset of right. I'll just get myself out, get some trainers on, get out for a five-mile run, and then I'm hobbling back. My hips are killing, and you know. Mm-hmm and it's how do we start to help people who are already very busy and i think you've already hinted at you know given some good tips around how to start but it's kind of what i'm fascinated is how do we pick those keystone habits like the sleep that help you just tweak it around so you can start to make some changes
0: oh well i think that a good place to start. I mean, it depends um, whether you have intrinsic or extrinsic motivation, really, doesn't it? A lot of people say that they need the challenge of a goal to get them out to house. So you've mentioned doing land to Johnnie Groats. You know, you pick a you pick a big hairy goal, a burning platform, and then it's like, right, well, I'm going to have to do some exercise to yes. to prepare for this. Otherwise, it's going to be you know, it's going to be painful. I can't get through it all on just sheer willpower. Um, whereas other people have an intrinsic motivation. they like, they just, they'll do it. They don't need that goal. They just like the process. So recognizing, recognizing what your motivation is. Now, for me, um, and maybe you as well, I'm getting older now. I'm nearing the end of my fifties. And I look at my father, I look at other people um, that are in their 70s, 60s and 70s that are st- still, my dad's not exercising and his life's sort of slowly declining, you know, like a lot of people He's not ill. He's just slowly declining. Whereas I see other people who are just enthusiastic. They're still doing triathlons. And I think, you know, which one would I like to be? I think I'd like to be this one. I'd like to be the one where I have the choice of what I want to do. So now I want to introduce the concept of the physical pension. You know, I think everybody's everybody's aware that if you want to have a happy financial later life, that you start paying money into a pension from an early age and the pot grows and, You know, it's quite painless if you're putting £100 a month away from the age of 19. It's much more painful if you're trying to do it from the age of 55 because you're not £100 a month isn't going to amount to much. So, a little bit every week. So, the physical pension is, is like the fiscal pension. It means that if you do a little bit every day, life's going to be much rosier than if you start late and try to do a lot every day. So, how do you get started? Finding something you enjoy. I mean, it doesn't have to be running or cycling. If, if you enjoy walking with your dog or walking in the fells or the hills with your friends, walking is a fantastic way of getting fit. It's, it's less jarring on the body. Um, even if you've had you know, knee replacement or knee surgery or hip surgery, you can still walk. Um, you can go out there for long periods of time. There's an awful lot about mental health and being out in nature. So, there's, there's that side of it as well. You, you can walk at a pace where you can talk to people. So, it's conversation and walking in groups, things that we've realized how much we've missed. Um, equally, if you like cold water swimming and you want to go to the lake in the middle of the winter, that's fine. But you need to find something you enjoy because it's much more likely to be sustainable if you enjoy it. If you enjoy being in company and there's a group of people that motivate you to, to go, then that helps too. Mm. Um, I I also think that uh, one of the biggest issues um, and the reason why people fail with goals is because you take on too big a goal in too short a time. So you'll see in in the new year, somebody will say, I want to run a marathon by April. So you've given yourself four months to go from couch man to, uh, to a marathon man or marathon woman. And it's just a huge, a huge, you know, rise it's like looking at a, a you know the side of mount everest when you've never done any climbing you think now can you get up there whereas if you set yourself a goal of being able to achieve something in a couple of years then doing a little bit every day will take you towards that goal it won't be it won't seem so insurmountable and it's much more manageable mm. and you much like to keep at it if you've got small things it's not, you're not making such drastic changes same with weight loss same with anything you know, you know, you don't build a business in three months, do you? That's profitable and pays for you to have a, you know, a big house and a nice car. It takes years of, of hard work building slowly. So I think taking a long-term view, having patience, understanding that you're on a journey, that there'll be times when you're making good progress and times when you stall and maybe even times when you go backwards. But but uh, keeping moving from your start point is important and, and doing something every day. Um. You know, and it sounds really simple, but finding a finding something that's sustainable—whether it's exercise, whether it's eating, whether it's um, you know sleep—is is is the
1: most important thing. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, and and I think going back, I guess, to unpick a little bit of the motivation bit at the beginning is 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 really important, and. Do, do you find that? Because uh, I've worked with a couple of guys and myself, that I find an extrinsic thing like setting a deadline mm-hmm. or, of a, a run or or something mm-hmm. really helps. Mm-hmm. But having something intrinsic behind that is also really, really, it, it's really powerful. But you're kind of turning it into something tangible with that race. So for me, the big turning point was uh, you know I've got little Rosie, who's five year old now. I had that waking up moment of you know when she was born, thinking I'm forty five. <laughs> when she's 21, I'm going to be how old? You know, you know, if I'm carrying on the way that I'm doing, then, you know, God willing, you don't know what's going to happen randomly or because of genetics or whatever, you know, but, um, I want to be in a, I want to be fit, healthy and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. mobile, all of those things. So I kind of found that it was a combination of those two things. And I think teasing that out can be really useful, can't it? So that why can help you when you have those days where you can't be bothered. (laughs) You can't, you feel.
0: Well, So, you know, I mentioned the Brownleys, right? The Brownleys have been well documented as talking about their application to training, the fact that they just love it. But make no mistake, they don't wake up every single morning of the year and they haven't done for the last 20 years, waking up every single morning going, yeah, it's six o'clock, I can go swimming now, right? There'll be times when they want to turn over and turn that alarm clock off. But you know what? They never even think about that. It's just the alarm goes off they turn it off, they roll out of bed, they get the kit on, they probably get a coffee and they drive to the pool because that's the habit. In right. the same way that you'll get out of bed or I'll get out of bed and go into the bathroom and just pick up the toothbrush and while I'm half asleep, I'll just brush my teeth. Because it's a habit, it's something you've been doing for the last number of X years, right? So it's just a process. The same for special forces soldiers. They don't like getting up and walking out in the rain and you know being out in it all day. It's just something they do you know farmers farmers have to go and milk the cows don't they don't matter whether you're feeling good or not the cows still got to be milked yeah. it's just a habit that you do these things you just get on with stuff and you get doing it you don't and and so i think we start off with inspiration which is seeing something else that somebody's achieved and we think well that's great i could, I could i'd love to do that and then maybe you watch a little video on the telly to motivate you to start with to get you going and then you develop the discipline to do this every day but eventually that discipline turns into a habit and then once it's a habit you feel empty and unfulfilled if you don't do it don't you you know if you go out the house without brushing your teeth you feel like oh my mouth's unclean so it's it's the same for me if I don't do my mobility now in the morning for half an hour when I get up I feel like I'm a little stiff and I don't move as well and I feel like something's been missing from my day
1: yeah yeah I love that and I think this is the thing about habits isn't it and this is where. If we can start smaller and consistently rather than all or nothing, which is very much the the that's the story that was me, and still, you know, I still have to watch. But start smaller, we're more likely to build it into life and sustain it so that it does become automatic. One of the things I think you've hit something about, you know, waiting for motivation or I don't feel like it. It's the kind of well, the those they do it anyway yeah and, and like it kind of brings me into my um my little ch- my challenge at the moment which is 60 till I'm 60 and I, on New Year's Day I decided that well I I hate burpees I'm back across for the last couple of years and whatever I hate burpees and every time I turn up and burpees on the board I'd have that sinking feeling and I thought do you know what I need to, to not necessarily love them, but I need to get over this. And what I set myself was 60 burpees a day till I'm 60. So I've got like 10 years to go. (laughs) Well, nine, actually, because I'm 51 next week. But the point of it is, it's that I did not want to do that every day. I still don't want to do that any day. But and I'm not saying 60s, everybody, you know, you might start with four or five press-ups or whatever. I don't know. But you do something to prove that you can do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And I haven't grown to love burpees, but I have changed my association with that, so that it feels or it feels wrong if I miss, and I have missed in one or two days um, over the last what six seven months it is now. Um, and to the extent I was at CrossFit this morning, and burpees were on the in the workout of the day, and it felt like a treat because I didn't have to do them separate. So it, it's kind of that habit building can be really powerful if we just can give it that that sort of consistency over time. Do you? when you do your burpees
0: then do you try to get them all done in one go uh
1: no <laughs> i have done i have set myself the challenge of that at times but um i tend i've fallen into a bit of a habit now of doing 15 at a time um but i want so to get what, faster so I'm, so
0: what do you do do you do 15 in the morning and 15 at lunchtime 15 in the afternoon
1: no because psychologically they're hanging over me for the rest of the day all so all right I, I, okay I get, I get them out of the out of the way in the morning um at the moment, my little task is to get them faster, so I'm breaking them down into fives now. Um, okay. to do that. But yeah, it's that kind of. I feel the other thing, I guess, is by doing it in the morning, is it's done and it feels like, see, <laughs> you can eat that frog. Yeah, eat the frog. Yeah, I, I think I think we talked. We used to talk about that
0: when we did some of our presentations, didn't we? Eat the frog. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we, you should probably explain that to everybody, Dave, so yeah, people well, understand what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, Mark, was it Mark Twain? He's accredited for a lot of quotes,
0: so it might not actually yeah. be. No, it said, well, I think, well, I, I use Mark Twain as a reference. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it is. But if on a morning, the, the first thing you do when you get up is eat, eat a big, live, ugly frog, you can go through the rest of the day and knowing that that's the worst that can happen. And it's all about procrastination, isn't it? And um, I think, was it Brian Tracy wrote a book, Eat, eat the yeah. Frog or
0: something? Yeah, 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 like he did, yeah. 21,
1: 21 Habits.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but But also, if you've got two frogs to eat, eat the biggest one first.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, and, that, and and that's so true, because I, I, as you know, I talk about cabbages, you know, the cabbages are the challenge, slice them down and dice them into sprout-sized actions, uh, which is where I think starting habits, if you can start with sprout-sized consistent actions. But the point is, what's your smelliest, most rotten cabbage that you need to be dealing with? Because that's the mm-hmm. one, isn't it? The procrastination thing.
0: We've, during the last year, just going back to your burpees then, um, I've been obviously helping people to navigate working from home and loss of facilities no swimming pools open races off you know helping people to um enjoy the process of working out rather than having that extrinsic goal because that 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 was removed and also because people didn't have the opportunity to go to the gym doing what they could at home and so we came up with these um on the hour, every hour, programs. So right. you can so you can do you could do the programs in three ways. You could do it as one program in the morning, if that was your choice, you know, to get it out of the way. Or if you were the sort of person who tends to sit down a lot, you could choose to do on the hour, every hour. So this would be something else. Um, and I know uh, one of my podcast guests that's coming on this week talks about this as micro workouts. Is to if you started at eight o'clock and went through for ten hours till six p.m., you could do six burpees every hour right that would take you 30 seconds maybe 40 seconds but you'd you'd accumulate 60 burpees during the day yeah okay and that's a lot easier for a lot of people likewise chin-ups if I wanted to do 20 chin-ups in a day I can't do 20 in one go but every time I walk past the chin-up bar if I did two throughout the day I could easily accumulate 20 mm. um, until such point as I could do 20 non-stop yeah. So that that's another, for those people who are listening going, I could never do 70 60 burpees, but you know, you could do them throughout the day and that then encourages you to get out of your chair and get moving and it encourages you to get down on the ground and get up again. So there's a lot of, lot of movement practice there. Um, it, it's a more manageable way of, of going about this, however you do it. So it yeah. might work, might not work for everybody, but it definitely works for some people.
1: No, I like that idea because I think <clears throat> it, it You mentioned a phrase last time we spoke about you could be it's not couch potato, but like an athlete on the couch type of thing. I can't oh, remember. Oh, active, active couch potato. Active couch potato, that was it. This idea that you know you you get your workout done and it's almost like, right, that's it, done. And you then fall into the rest of the habit of being immobile yeah. during the day. And I guess if we're trying to get back, you know, we're talking a lot about fitness and health here, but it, I guess it applies to a lot of different habits that mm-hmm. just because you get it out of the way, if you then fall back into some old habits, how much are you really challenging it? So that idea of sprinkling it through the day can really kind of help you tune back into the to the positive habits in any given that aspect of fitness here?
0: I mean we are talking about fitness and health and, and mobility, but you know we only have to rewind fifty or sixty years to probably our grandparents right and they didn 't go to the gym because they didn 't need to because their days were full of activity. the only reason that most of us feel like we need to do exercise now is because we spend all day sitting down Mm. and certainly as you get into your 40s and 50s we notice that you know and it can creep on an extra 100 calories a day is an extra pound a month is an extra almost a stone a year right if you switch off from looking at you know, looking at the scales when you're 40 and then start again when you're 50, you could be five or six stone heavier and think, well, how's that happened? I don't eat badly. It doesn't have to happen like that. It can happen very, very gradually. But, but part of the problem is that we're, not, we're just not getting the exercise. So my, my granddad used to walk to work. He walked half a mile. Didn't walk 10 miles to work. He walked half a mile to work. It probably took him 10 minutes. And then he would walk home at lunchtime and then he walked, walked back an hour later, then he'd come home at five o'clock. And then he'd go out, if it, if it was a, a, from spring until autumn, he'd go out in his allotment for an hour. He'd tend the allotment and then he'd dig up vegetables for that evening or the next day's dinner. My grandma, meanwhile, would clean the house by hand, hang the washing out, big basket full of, you know, um, woolen blankets and cotton sheets and really heavy and she put everything through the mangle and hang it out on the on the line she would walk to the shops two or three times a day to get lunch to get a paper to go and get a jug of beer from the pub and then at the weekend they'd both be in the allotment and they would walk places they would get the bus into town and they would walk town and they would carry the big shopping bags back right not everything was manual so people were active and they didn't need to exercise <laughs> but those are the things that keep you fit and healthy yeah. And, and we've lost sight of that with with the introduction of automation and, you know, home delivery and all of those other things. So now somebody, smart people said, oh, actually, we need to create gyms and we need to have personal trainers and we need to have apps to get people moving again. But it's only to replace what we don't naturally do. Mm. So. I know some people say, I don't like that fitness, like, well, what about living? What just about, forget about fitness. What about healthy living? What about being able to move properly? What about being able to still do stuff when you're in your seventies, looking after your grandchildren or your daughter? You know, you don't have to be a fitness freak to do that, but you still have to be healthy and have enthusiasm for life. And that's the driving factor for me is. I want to be riding around on my push bike, going downhill at seventy five miles an hour, screaming yeah yeah, what a ride I don't want to be thinking, I wish I
1: could do that yeah yeah, and I think that's this is this is really useful isn't it for that because what one of the things I've found for me and many that I talk to or work with is that we kind of turn around and think is this it? Is this where I'm at? And I call it the before you know it phenomenon that you mentioned there, you know, one minute you're 40, then you're 50. Before you know it, you're you're a stone and a half, if not three stone heavier. Yep. You, you cannot walk up a flight of stairs without pausing, that kind of thing. Mm. And as you say, it happens incrementally. And yet at that moment, we can then start to think, right, going to go on this. I'm going to sort it out and try to fix it overnight or in a six week, whatever. And actually it came on slowly. How do we break it off? You know, how do we look at Yeah. You know, sorting it out slowly and that's by changing things over the longer term mm. and i love your idea of the physical pension but what one thing that springs to mind is that we we start paying into that physical pension at whatever time you know if if 10 years ago you know that thing about when's the best time to plant a tree but 10 years ago you know whatever now is the next best time so you start paying into it by daily movement and activity the beauty of it is if you consistently go you're gonna, you're actually drawing benefits from it almost immediately aren't you yeah yeah of the, the wonder that is the physical body. Well,
0: there's, a, there's a really interesting paradox there's this, um, that you see now. Um, I think it was in a um, a little video that did the rounds on social media. There's, there's a garage, big garage, like a warehouse hangar. And there's this brand new Lamborghini. And you see it and the cameraman's looking at it. And then the door comes open and there's this guy inside and he's, a, he's an old guy. So he's, he's probably like a lot of people that they think, right, when I get my pension, I'm going to buy myself a nice sports car, right? So and most people, when they, when you're buying a car that's a 100, 100 grand plus, perhaps can't afford it until they're wealthier and later in life. So this guy's driven, he's got the car, he's proud of it. And he's sitting there. And of course, if you've ever been in one of these cars, it's like getting inside a, a small capsule. So he's got in, now he's got to get out. So he can't get his, he's not mobile enough in the hip to get his leg up over the sill and underneath the steering wheel to put it on the, um, to put it on the ground outside. So he's trying always. Eventually you see him rolling onto his side and he puts his hand out and then he puts his other hand out and, and then he gets out and he's on, his all, he's on all fours. And the guy with the cameras laughing at him. But that's the embarrassing position is. When, you, when you're 20 or 30 and you can get into a car like that, most people can't afford it. And when you can afford it, you can't enjoy it anyway because you've lost the fitness and mobility to be able to move properly. How many other things will happen in people's lives where they've been saving up this pension diligently since they started work at 18? And when they get to the point where they can draw on that pension, they can no longer do the things that they wanted to because they're not physically able enough. Ah, that's that's an awful thought, isn't it? That 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 pension that you, you thought about using for so long when you were in your 60s, 67 maybe now for some people, you're actually going to have to use it for mobility aids to get up and down the stairs easily. You're not going to be able to go to the Great Wall of China and walk on that. You're just going to go and have to look at it because you can't walk up the stairs anymore. It'd be, be such a sad way to end your life but it, it be it's fixable for the majority of people so easily
1: so in on that vein, <laughs> that's that's a sad picture i painted <laughs> isn't it and everybody's like god this guy's a miserable kid <laughs> no but I, I think this is where it, it's useful to i mean we're, we're both positive people but it's useful to to just dwell uh, for a moment on the realities of some of these things isn't it you know the reality is we're going to die mm-hmm. and as you said what, how would you like to go out? You know, piling down a hill on your bike at seven, you know seventy miles an hour, or you know, kind of fading away. It's like the old Highlander quote: "It's better to burn out than to fade away." Now, obviously, yeah. Yeah. there are different ways of burning out, but the point of it is that sometimes if we just think about that and project in the future, and say, actually, that's not what I want. And yes, mm. it could happen. It might be out of my control. Some things could happen. That's fine. I'll control the controllable. But yeah. that's not what I choose and in not choosing it that gives us a bit of a stronger why if not a lot of a stronger why which is where the rosy thing i was i'm 66 when she turns 21 god willing i want to be fitter then than i am now that was that's yeah. the kind of thing so i have adopted this phrase of healthier than yesterday and that idea is not that i'm you know i'm gonna get do more and more and more it just means by doing little things each day incrementally it, it, it improves so flexibility all of those kinds of things. Yeah. But so if we're in that place where hopefully, you know, those who are listening, there may be one or two who are thinking, you know what? Yeah, I need to I need to make an adjustment. I've got my pension perhaps taken care of, my career has taken over, you know, family are grown up, wh- whatever. How do I recalibrate this in a way that I don't suddenly burn all my bridges? But I do recalibrate it enough to start building the habits in a way that doesn't mean I'm going to go all or nothing and hurt myself, you know, all of those things. What's mm. your thoughts?
0: Well, I, I definitely agree that if you start at the end and work backwards, you know, like any journey, where do I want to get to? I want to, get, I want to be here. This is my avatar. This is my vision of myself when I'm, you know, in 20 years' time when I'm 77, my vision is of me still being able to do this, right? So between, between then, in the next 20 years, what do I need to do to make sure that happens, Right what am I doing now? What do I need to make sure I'm doing? So, um, and then like you say, start small. I mean, it's as simple as get a little bit more sleep, move a little bit more. You don't have to train and do exercise, formal exercise, just move. Don't sit down as much. Yeah, there's some simple things you can do there. Take the opportunity to walk if, if your journey is less than a few hundred yards, whereas we, we sort of automatically jump in the car. Just don't don't be sat in front of the telly for hours on end and eat a little bit better. Start by getting rid of a lot of sugars in your diet and removing processed foods. So take time. And, and I realise that there may be people listening saying, well, I just don't have the time to do that in my life. And I sympathize, empathize, and understand that situation. I would say that when we look at what most people do, if they did an audit of the way they spend their time in their life, there are pockets of time that are not used productively because you're on social media. Social media doesn't really contribute anything to your life. If you want to keep in touch with real friends, pick up the phone and talk to them. You know, don't do it through Facebook. Um, And now that Boris is releasing us, go and spend time with them having a coffee and going for a walk. So you could stop watching television. You could stop, social media and then you could do that with you, you could just move a little bit more join a yoga class as we said um and with the food just just try getting some fresh fruit fresh food and making meals from it and maybe doing it as a family or a couple mm. you know and, and just keep it really simple so yeah, yeah. So
1: great. just before you kind of carry on, i'm gonna do what i should have done at the beginning and i usually do is i'm putting my desk up because i'm missing an opportunity here <laughs> to like to actually stand up, so bear with me. It's like. so but the point is there are opportunities on there and everybody's different everybody's circumstances are different so it is it is experimenting but that's one of the things that i I, there was an episode i think you did a review i can't remember what number it was of your podcast i listened to and you were you were signing reviewing some of the guests you had on
0: oh that, that was the one where i was um looking at the five big lessons from yes um from 200 podcasts
1: yeah and one of the things that you said which i totally resonates with me is that um it's about yes, there are there's advice on this and, that and the other, but work out what's for, what works for you. Yeah. So it's it's, and I often think about become your own kind of scientist or experimenter. There's yep. lots of what you could or should do, but ultimately it's got to work for you. So you've got to try it, and then give it a go in bite sized chunks. Well,
0: I, as a as a coach of people doing triathlon, I often am um, presented with the um, opposition to an idea that well what does the research say and the research yeah the consensus of that research might say this is the pathway you should take but if you look at any research there are people that respond to placebo there are people who are outliers and respond hugely to a particular method and there are people who don't respond and then there's the consensus there's the people in the bell curve the bit in the middle mm. so the general consensus might say this works but then it, it won't work at all for you know you or me the only way we'll really know is if we try something like I'm not a big fan of keto for endurance athletes. are there, there is one or two people who are, who say that they're doing well. I would suggest that some of those people aren't truly following a keto diet. Um, there are other people for whom it works really well, but a lot of those people have, have got illnesses Let's say heart disease, where the keto diets help them to change uh, and improve their health, and so there's, an, there's a there's a, a huge extrinsic motivation to to follow that diet. But but keto diet's super restrictive in what you can eat, and but but if if you would say to me, Dave, right, I've changed my nutrition, I've lost weight, I feel great, I can, it's sustainable, um, you know, and I'm happy doing it. Then why would I argue with that if it's working for you? Yep. So n equals one. Mm. it's your own yeah. study and if you found an, a way of exercising that works well for you um you know then then fantastic but you, but you have to find that out so you have to experiment so you know there are some people for whom everybody's trendily going on to a vegan diet now but there are some people for whom eating more fibers rubbish if you've got colitis or um, some other stomach issue eating more fibers like eating razor blades maybe the carnivore diet will be better for you which some people will be throwing their arms up in, you know, horror at. But um, so that's the thing. Find what works for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And, and one of the biggest things around uh, food science without getting into kind of the debate is that it's very, very hard to research anyway. And there's so many confounding factors that, that actually how certain can we be? So the only, the, the only real approach is to kind of look at yourself and take your own approach of what works and what's sustainable, isn't it? Because there's that old cliche of you know the best diet is the one you stick to. Yeah. Now obviously well, there's got to be element to health in there, <laughs> you know, healthy, healthier stuff. But you know,
0: well, I think I think the things that and you're right, you know, you look at research and find out that it's been it's been uh, it's been funded by somebody who's got a vested interest. You know, I mean, Game Changers, the documentary, got wide, widespread, massive thumbs up from a lot of people and a lot of people saying that's it i'm i'm going to be a vegetarian or a vegan now but then you find out that james cameron who produced it owns the biggest pea protein um producing factory in the world so um and lewis hamilton he's a vegan as well and he was part to do with the funding of that so you know um i'm not saying that there isn't some valid points in it but maybe there's a little bit of bias in there as well Mm. um Equal there 's that forks over knives as well, isn't there, which is another one about uh, a more of a vegetarian diet, but it, it doesn't work for everybody mm. uh, but i mean there are there are certain things that we probably do agree on is refined sugars uh are, if you can eat less sugars uh processed foods so if it if it if it's grown if it's caught or you 've killed it it's probably better for you than if it came in a packet from um from the supermarket because when it's come in a packet it's been in a factory so it's mm further away from the original source, and it's probably had had things added to it to preserve it um and just because you feel like vegan or vegetarian is a healthier lifestyle if you go and eat vegan mcnuggets it's still shit food <laughs> right honestly ve- and, and if you want the taste of meat why are you giving up anyway i understand the ethical thing but you know in order to make something taste like meat what have they added to it and manufactured in the factory
1: to, to achieve that taste yeah it's 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 interesting. one of the things that i find in lots of sort for myself but also talking to, to other people is that there feels like in the world of health not just diet but fitness sleep all of this so much should so many shoulds mm-hmm. and often they're conflicting shoulds, aren't they like where do i start yep. and one of the things that i found really liberating is a sense of actually understanding that You know, you could find a success story in each of these areas. Mm -hmm. So take off the pressure and kind of just go with what works for you and make those small changes and see what can be significant. So, you know, I totally respect somebody who wants to be vegetarian and or vegan. Yeah, me too, yeah. Um, You know, and um, I've got friends there and I've I've dabbled myself. Um, It wasn't sustainable for me, you know, in that sense, but fine. But it's about what changes can we make? So first change, I would say, I often say is, let's take the guilt off and the pressure off for starters and let's see what changes you can actually pragmatically make the change. Mm-hmm. And you've mentioned sleep. And I think I'm with you on that one. I think one of the things um, I have a client uh, who particularly made massive changes in lifestyle and weight loss, S- largely, it wasn't only because there was a lot of work went into it, but that keystone habit, that fo- foundation was to change approaches to sleep attitude to sleep and and routines and rituals around it mm. so what would be your kind your advice if anybody you know they they have a lot on their plate a lot to think about there's lots of competing ideas but they just want to get a bit healthier you've kind of indicated the move more sleep better what would be some of the tips around sleep then because you mentioned the pre and post sleep routines any particular things that jump out for mm.
0: Okay. So you're right. In any subject, there's confounding advice. And often that's driven by people who've got something to sell. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they come out with this amazing headline. Um, But then if you read, if you read a bit more and speak to the experts, you find that there are certain um, common elements that come out all the time. Sleep consistency seems to be the one. So if you can try to get to bed and get up at the same time every night, then your body gets used to that. Um, Number two, um, have, have a sleep environment that's conducive to good sleep. So if you have a bedroom, a bedroom is for sleeping and sex, and that's it, all right? It's not an office. It's not a place where you've got a home entertainment system where you watch the telly and you've got music and Wi-Fi coming in. It needs to be a calming environment where you go to sleep. So if you can, get rid of the telly. You know, if you want something to do before you go to sleep, either talk with your partner or read a, read a book, Um, and then send yourself off to sleep and then other things that uh, um, seem to get in the way of sleep um, particularly at this time of year is is light so artificial light or natural light so if you can create a a darkened room that's good Um, room temperature seems somewhere between 15 and 19 degrees seems to be about the right temperature so having the uh, having the window slightly open trying to close in the closing the curtains during the day if the sun shines in there so keeping the room cool having a comfortable bed and and comfortable uh, sheets or duvet and then before you go to bed um think about things like what you're doing in the couple of hours before if you eat late at night um an hour before you go to bed then often you're still digesting that food and that will will affect your ability to go to sleep and get decent sleep Um, if you consume alcohol just before you go to bed yes you probably will fall asleep quicker but there's so many studies of brain waves and and what happens that it's not quality sleep and it takes you much longer to get into deep restorative sleep and rem sleep if you if you drink alcohol just before you go to bed um working and sort of activating the brain by answering emails and messing around on, on on your computer those that you get the blue light that comes in that's one thing and then just the fact that your mind's active and thinking about work or other things if you um if you're looking at email so trying to shut those down a couple of hours before you go to bed and then the, the other end of the day is when you when you get up in the morning actually the the routine that you have first thing in the morning can influence what happens at night. So trying to get bright sunshine into your eyes helps to create serotonin, which then leads to production of melatonin later on in the day, which helps you sort of get into that sleepy state. So um, getting outside, even on a dull day, maybe maybe having a little walk around the neighborhood and walk the dog, just sit in the garden or sit in the yard and just just have a cup of coffee, if you like, and breathe in some fresh air. Uh, so, so that will be it, really. They're the key things that seem to come across regularly for be- for better sleep. Yeah. But consi- sleep consistency in the time you go to bed, and the time you get up, um, uh, are one of the one of the biggest ones.
1: Yeah, yeah. One of the challenges that I've with many uh, people I work with is that the work shifts, and that is one of the real challenges. But you can yeah. take those principles out, can't you? Mm-hmm. You know, if, uh, you know, if you finish on a night shift and it's as it is at the moment, you know, it's light when you finish. How do you just reduce the the light into your eyes? Mm-hmm. Towards the back end of your shift, but also after your shift, driving home, that kind of thing. So, so there are things that you can do, but mm-hmm. the, the, as you say, to, to take the principles and create routines around those, I call it a pre Z time routine. You know, pre, what do you do the last 15 minutes to 90 minutes before bed? Yeah. Uh, and then obviously waking up. Uh, um, so, some great advice. And I think to, just to reinforce it, because we've talked about a lot of things there, It's it goes back to this idea that we might have a goal and you know we've talked a lot about health goals which i think you know particularly for somebody my age and what have you it's 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 something that i really am focusing on it's it's about what small changes can i make that are sustainable and some of those changes or in fact many of them are not actually directly related to the exercise i do it's around things like sleep it's about relaxation it's about mm. getting some daylight um and 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 obviously what you put in your mouth as well in terms of food i just if I go back, I'd like to reference Nick
0: Littlehale's there um for sleep. He he does a lot of he's a sleep consultant. He's written a book called Sleep. He's got his own um he's got his own website called S- uh, Sport Sleep Coach. So wow. you you can maybe put a link, but Nick's been a guest on my podcast a couple of times and he's presented for us at triathlon uh workshops. Um he he talks a lot about what people can do if they're working on shift patterns particularly if you're always working nights it's a little easier because your body can get into a routine but if you're in if you're in say the um, emergency responder services you know the police the fire service the, the ambulance where you might be working an early shift for a few days then a late shift then a night shift and it's constantly changing um, he's got some ideas on on that whole uh, process there and he's probably studied it in more depth than I have so that,
1: that'd be great. So we'll get them links off you, side. We'll put them in the show notes. And if there's any chance of getting them on an interview on here, that would be great because I do know... One of the things, it's funny, I mean, I've done a lot of research and delivered some training and coaching around sleep over the last year, particularly around lockdown. But one of the things that I often find in the books and the, and the people that you read is that... it. it the advice is there but it's often don't work shifts <laughs> you know which is is great if you've got that choice or you mm. choose that but some people choose to work shifts because it gives a different uh, benefits also that there is financial um yeah so i'm very much fascinated around how can we take what we understand to help people who are working those irregular unpredictable shifts and one of the things that i think is is um really f- Apparent is the anxiety over the quality of sleep they're getting or not getting, mm. and that's something that I'm, I'm I, I really work hard to try and help them take that, that pressure off, because I think it was you that shared a couple of articles about the you know that the, that it's not the total agreement around you know the the harmful effects of of um, shift working and, and what have you in that, but uh, yeah, so I'd be fascinated to um, to maybe connect with them actually. I think you know if I could add one more piece
0: of advice there. about what do you do and how you get started is often we get sidetracked into thinking about the outcome so the outcome that I want from a diet is that I want to lose three stone and so I'm fixated on the outcome that's 42 pounds and I've given myself three months so I'm, I'm expecting to lose half a half a pound a day right? That's quite a lot of reduction. And then every morning I get up and I look at the outcome on the scales and one, you know, the first few days I'm really happy because I'm losing a bit of water because I've cut down my bread and and then it stalls and then I'm upset and then another day it goes up and so I think the diet's over and so I have to tip it all in. Um, rather than focusing on the process, so the process is what, what healthy changes can I make? If you if you do the right things on a regular basis, you will get towards your goal. Uh, often th- the outcome we've set ourselves is far too big and far too soon. And then that's why we fail as well is because um, you know, losing, losing 42 pounds over 12 months is much more achievable and sustainable than it is, uh, losing it over three, yeah. uh, three months. But still, if you focus on the process, right, I'm going to cut out sugars today. I'm not going to drink any alcohol. I'm going to get rid of uh, processed food and just follow that principle every day and ignore the weight loss. It'll happen anyway because and, and you'll feel healthier. And that's, that is the, the principle behind the success of most business people and elite athletes is, yes, they have got an outcome and they keep an eye on it, but they're focused on the process of what they do every day in order to get to that level and they get the basics right.
1: I love that. It ties in because I often I often say focus on the sprouts, not the cabbage, and that's kind of the outcome versus mm-hmm. the daily habits. Yeah. Um, track the sprouts, track the habits. You know, track those daily things, as in not you know not checking on your skills, but track have I done it or am yeah. I doing it? Um, yeah. So yeah, I love that, and I think that that's probably a great way to close, actually, Simon, because I think if we can get those processes right and take the pressure off of when and what it'll look like, it'll happen before we know it kind of the, like the opposite of the the negative before you know phenomenon. Mm-hmm. So thank, thanks, Simon. Thanks for your time. I appreciate all, all that you've uh, shared with us there. Can you, um, if anybody wants to pick up with you, you know, find out more about you, we will put some links in show notes, but if you want to give a shout out for anything that you've, you've got going on at the moment or where they can find you. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. Well, obviously, there's the podcast. So that's um, that's my high performance human podcast. You can find that on iTunes or Podbean or go to my website, simonward.co.uk. Just click on the link for podcasts and you'll see the, the latest one that's been added to the list. Uh, if you want to follow me on social media, I'm on mostly on Facebook. I'm simon.ward1. So connect with me there. Um, you can find me on Twitter as at triathlon coach or the I can't remember which the triathlon coach or at triathlon coach and also on Instagram same title and uh, yeah that's about it I'm pretty much all over social media so if you look hard enough you'll find me (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do pop up quite a bit, and actually, funny enough, one of your episodes has popped up in the CrossFit Facebook group in, in my little box. So obviously, you're, you're you're well known within that community as well. So well,
0: that that was probably the interview with Kelly Starrett, was it? He's a big wheel in the CrossFit
1: industry. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember which one it was. It probably would have been, but yeah,
0: great. Yeah, mobility coach Kelly yes. K Star, as he's called in
1: the CrossFit world. Yeah, great. Well, thank you, Simon, for your time. Some brilliant insights, and it's it's great to hear that you know those messages coming from somebody who is so so experienced has a lot of credibility working with you know those high performance humans that we look up to you know the athletes and 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 people who are working at that extreme I guess for for many of us to know that actually it's the basics that count I mean that is so that takes off such a lot of pressure I feel that if we can just focus on that we may not get to that you know but we get we can get to our own version of that so that's brilliant so thanks very much Simon brilliant thank you
0: you're welcome, Dave. It's been great to catch up.
1: I hope you've enjoyed your flight aboard Sprout 1. For show notes and information on how to get the podcast feed direct to your Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other favourite podcast feed, visit SproutSweather.com And Touchdown. Touchdown.